Last Sunday morning, we started a new series here to coincide with our centenary, and I'm going to take a moment today just to to recap a little on that, because uh, a lot of people would have been away being the bank holiday. It's a series that's intended to help us reflect on where we are in the present, and to consider where God might be leading us and pointing us in the future. I warned the folks who were here last week not to expect any uh, detailed, strategic, five-year plan. Don't expect that. Instead, expect some observations about about where we are and uh, what might lie ahead for us. So here's the one sentence that I offered last week um, as a, a, a possible vision for Kirkpatrick Memorial in the years to come. We're to be a church where we disciple one another while reaching into the city, where people of all ages participate in discipling the young. So if you look at that carefully, you you should see four different um, ideas or strands in that vision. The first is that we're discipling one another. Uh, We talked about that last week. But also our, our second thread there is we're reaching the city. And at the same time, we want to be discipling our young while valuing the ministry of older disciples. Four ideas, four weeks, and today is the second of these weeks. So last week we talked about discipling one another. And what we did is we looked at the many and diverse ways in which the New Testament calls followers of Jesus Christ to engage with one another. And we noticed how it's a, a much deeper thing than, than simply being nice to each other. Uh, that might intuitively feel like what we're supposed to do in, in churches is to be nice to each other. And as we, we thought about this in our time together, we realized that rather than a small number of people, like the minister and the pastoral care visitor or even the elders, providing care for people in the church, those who are sick, or bereaved, or in some other crisis. We say that a much more biblical vision is that each member relates to each other, doing their utmost to see them built up as followers of Jesus Christ. We're called not only to love one another, but also to serve one another, and to encourage one another, to teach one another, to live at peace with each other, when things aren't going well and to bear with each other. So if we're a community that wants to take the teaching of God's word and not simply church culture as we find it around us seriously, then this this is probably going to make a difference to the kind of church that we are. And it's going to change the, the offer that we make, if you like, to people who come to join us. Um, I shared this with the folks last week. There's a There's an idea of a an implicit contract whenever you come and you join a church. And we talked about this a bit last week. We, we talked about the, the contract that's often or almost always on offer in a church and post something like this. Come and join us and we will care for you and your family. That is the minister or the pastoral visitor or the elders or the family worker, whoever it is, you come, they'll care for you. And we recognize that that's a prominent kind of a model, but it's not the biblical one. And therefore, we offered a a sort of a counter uh, 
idea, a counter-proposition. Maybe a better Kirkpatrick contract would be something like this. Come and join us. We're trying with the help of God's Spirit to follow Jesus. We'll try to help you in the bad times and in the good to follow Jesus too. So that was the first strand of the 2020 vision. A church where we disciple one another. I won't do that every week where we recap on the previous week, but a lot of people weren't able to be here last week. If you want to hear that full sermon, the, uh, it'll be on the website, uh, I hope soon. And there's also a, a pastoral care policy document, which the Kirk Session approved quite recently, that explains our church's approach to, to life together and to caring for each other. Uh, and that's been uploaded on the website, and there are some copies out there in the vestibule. This morning we're going to think about this second thread in the 2020 vision, the church that's reaching the city. And what I said last week is that more by, well, I'm going to say accident than by design, I don't know how, but these things seem to me to have some sort of a balance to them. So the first one is about uh, discipling each other, it's, it's about us in here, what we do for each other. And this, this other one is a counterbalance that says, well, it's not all about in here. It's about out there too. So we, we want to keep those two emphases in tension. And maybe when you hear me uh, say something like that, uh, you, you wonder why I would ever start to talk about a vision for Belfast. Isn't Kirkpatrick Memorial all about Ballyhackamore? About reaching Ballyhackamore for Christ? Isn't that what we've been talking about here this last ten years? Well, let me reassure you that 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 vision is non-negotiable. That can't and won't ever change. While we're here, we'll want to reach this part of East Belfast for Christ. But today, I want to suggest we might not want to. We, we might not want to leave it at that. And let's let's come again to God's Word and see why that might be. Uh, this morning, we read from Acts chapter one, so I'd encourage you to flick that open just for a second. on page 1092 in the Bible or in the pew. And this passage tells of a conversation that the risen Lord Jesus has with his disciples between the time of his resurrection and his returning to his Father in heaven. I don't know about you, but I would have thought that if you were a disciple of Jesus, you'd have been all ears to anything he was saying. <coughs> in those uh, seven or so weeks. Whenever somebody's just risen from the dead, they get a new legitimacy, don't they? You begin to pay attention. And here's what he says. Look at verse 8. He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see what Jesus is saying here about the locus or the location of their mission? He's saying it's local. You'll receive power and you will be my witnesses here, right here in Jerusalem. 
A mission always needs to be local. I personally find it extremely sad when I encounter churches that are, are maybe brilliant at praying for and supporting mission halfway around the world, but, but who can't quite get out the door and across the street of where they live. So the, the mission of Jesus' disciples is to begin locally, but then notice what happens. It spreads. They aren't to limit themselves to Jerusalem. They're to go to the, the whole of Judea. And don't settle for Judea. Jesus says, Samaria needs to hear about me too. In fact, says the risen Lord, don't, don't, don't stop in Samaria either. Just push on. Don't stop sharing the good news until you've reached the ends of the earth. <coughs> You get the sense that when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he expects the, the new life that they've found in them to be like a stone dropped into a pond and the, to send ripples out from where they are. And, and by the way, that's exactly what happens in the book of Acts. If you follow the book of Acts and trace its development and its argument, it's basically, it tells you a story about something that started in one place and just moved out right throughout the whole known world of that time. Folks, I, I think this is a challenge for a community like ours here in Kirkpatrick Memorial. What do you do with the new life that God has given you? Same question that the, the disciples had at Pentecost. What do you do if God keeps adding more people as he did so dramatically then at Pentecost and in the early church? But what do we do here if in God's purposes he continues to draw people to be a part of this community too? What do we do when the hundred or so kids who are right there want to be in here too? Um, what do we do? Do we just keep growing bigger and bigger, drawing more and more people to this place? Or is there something else that God has for us? When I was a kid, we had a shed down at the bottom of our garden, and it drained from the car, it drained the rain from the corrugated roof uh, down via a, a drain pipe into a barrel. So it was a place where that barrel there at the bottom only ever had water flowing into it. I don't know if you've had an experience of the kind of barrel I'm talking about. It was stinking. I remember putting my brother in it and stuff like that. It, it was horrible. If you've ever seen stagnant water... Folks, that barrel for me stands as quite a simple metaphor for a place like this, a community. We have been blessed, so blessed, as God has, has brought new life to a place that, that was almost dead. But now we're confronted with a choice, and the choice is, what do we do? Do we hold on to everything that God's given us? Do we, do we try to keep it, uh, maintain it, contain it? And if we do, are we running the risk that it, that it turns stagnant and stinky? Or 
can we learn to give it away? Can we learn to be a community that has inflow, but also outflow? A place where the water in the barrel is always fresh. By the way, folks, um, everything I'm saying here about a, a church, a, a big community like this, I think might just be true of our smaller communities here that are part of our church or discipleship groups. If the membership of a group never ever changes, then it's likely that it will <coughs> often lead to some sort of decay. It'll stagnate. Or if a group only ever takes in new members, it'll grow and grow and grow until a point where, where the good that there was of being a small group and being close and be, being intimate will be lost. Wouldn't it be much healthier if our groups had inflow and outflow? If people were allowed to join groups whenever they said they were ready to, and then once a group gets too big, a group's given an opportunity to, to multiply and to become two smaller and more intimate groups once more. That's what we're hoping is going to happen with our discipleship groups here in Kirkpatrick in the years to come. That they'll grow and that they'll multiply so that more and more people can be welcomed into discipling relationships. Maybe you're not sure about that. You think, oh, that sounds demanding. That sounds uncomfortable. Let me put it to you like this. We all want our church to be a welcoming place. I, I've never had anybody in the years I've been a minister saying our church is too welcoming. You've got to do something about that. Find a way, any way, just make it less welcoming. The church has to have wide open doors. It has to be ready to welcome any person who comes here looking to encounter Jesus Christ and to be nurtured in Him. We need to make room, always, for the people whom God brings to us. Well, folks, what if the same that's true for our church is also true for our smaller groups? I think it probably is. You wouldn't want your discipleship group to be known as a place where people aren't welcome. You wouldn't want your group to be a place that can't morph and adapt to, to take in the new life that God's bringing to it. Folks, I've been talking so far this morning about our church, but I, I want to think about how we can be a church that's reaching the city. I believe that we need to. I need to say I can't talk about this in 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. That's not going to work, but I want to start a conversation I believe that Kirkpatrick Memorial won't be serving God's purposes for it if we're content only to pay attention to Ballyhackamore. Why would I say that? It's because Belfast, much to our surprise, is becoming a place that's ripe for Christian mission. 
We, we never thought this would happen. We never thought this day would come. Because we drive through Belfast and we see a building, a church building in every street corner. And we imagine, therefore, that in every neighborhood there's a vibrant community of Jesus followers. So that if a person wants to know about Jesus, there's a community on their doorstep who can introduce them. If a person wants to grow in him, there's a community there who can disciple him. If you live in Belfast, surely you'd be spoiled for choice if you wanted to get to know Jesus. Folks, that might have been true at one point in our past. But it's simply not the case today. Belfast is, pop, uh, is secularizing at, I think, a quite astonishing rate. My own theory, which I haven't tested with any sociologist yet, is that because of our troubles, because of the superficial idea that it's rooted to religion, I think we're going to secularize faster than almost any culture in the West. People will reject so much of what they regard as the, the evils of religion. And with that, they will lose their, their heritage as a community of Jesus Christ. Let me show you a couple of statistics from our own Presbyterian church that might help with this. In 2001, which was the first statistic available to me when I came to East Belfast, the number of families affiliated with Presbyterian congregations in this part of the city was around about 11,000. In 2011, so 10 years later, that figure had dropped to 7,700. That's 30% gone in 10 years. When you look at the records for the whole of the city, in 2001 we find that there were 71 congregations in, in, in Belfast, in the three presbyteries there. By 2011, you'll find that only seven of those have grown in the last 10 years and that 90% of Presbyterian churches in Belfast are currently in decline. Folks, we're shielded from these realities, I think, a little bit here at Kirkpatrick Memorial because we're one of the seven that has grown in that period of time. We might even think we're doing well. That, that might be our sense of how, how we're doing. You know, I might have a sense that I'm doing well as the minister of Kirkpatrick Memorial. That would make sense if I was the only church in Belfast and that somehow we were saying the church in Belfast is growing. The truth is, I'm ministering as part of a network that's in massive decline. That puts another take on any sense of success or complacency that we might have. Folks, Belfast is increasingly ripe for mission. There's so much more I'd like to say about this, but as I say, the, the time isn't here for us to do it this morning. But I just love the vision that God gave the prophet Jeremiah to pass on to the people in exile. He says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper too. God's saying to his people who, who were a tiny minority 
in a huge pagan city, he says, no matter how much you're in the minority, no matter how fragile you feel, don't huddle in on yourselves. Live expansive lives for the blessing of this whole city. Be praying for it, for its peace and for its prosperity. Folks, as we move towards 2020 and whatever year beyond, we want to be a church that's reaching somehow into the city. I said last week, and I think I reiterated again here today, this series is about beginning to discern vision. It's not at all about saying we have the answers and here's what they are, here's what we should do. It's about saying we don't have all the answers, but here are some things we need to be thinking about, that we need to be praying about and learning about. Here are some areas where we need to be open to God's leading. And I'm convinced that we need to, to be prayerful about the city of Belfast. I'm also convinced that God's beginning to open eyes to this issue, some of these opportunities that lie before us. So I thought I'd close by telling you about three conversations I had recently with members of Kirkpatrick Memorial. Just this last week, I met with a couple of members of the church here, and we were chatting about Clarewood, the estate in our parish uh, that we've been working in this last 15 years through the Oak Centre. And the conversation, we were, we were very excited about something that's happening in Clarewood. We, we celebrated together the emergence, or, or the re-emergence with new life, of, of the church in the parish. What would have been known as Clarewood Gospel Hall has recently been, been relaunched as Clarewood Community Church. I'm hoping to get a chance to meet the, the new pastor there soon. And I want to, to offer him some help. But I wonder what that offer is going to be. Could it be more of what we've already managed to do through the Oak Centre? To offer help with children's work there in the estate? Could it be that we might be able to help them with music? I won't know until I've, I've met with Joe and heard what would encourage them and how we could partner with them. Might it be soon that after a period of time, some members of Kirkpatrick who've gone and contributed there and got to know that community might find themselves drawn to be a part of it? To leave this church and to go and to be a part of that church part of the wider church of Jesus Christ. Folks, I used to think frustration was always a bad thing, but I don't believe that anymore. I think frustration is something God uses to, to bring change. It might be that there are people in our community who are increasingly finding themselves frustrated here because God wants them to be there somewhere else. Might that be what God's doing? Ripples moving from this place and into the city. Second conversation, but this time last year, 
I was sharing with the church family at that time our vision to have our discipleship groups quite intimately connected with some of the homes and streets of our parish. One Sunday morning, uh, a lady in the congregation, a woman, came to me and she said, Crystal, I love that vision. I think it's brilliant. I'm convinced by it, but of a problem. I don't live in or near Kirkpatrick's parish. I live in Sydenham, which is every bit as big a mission field as Ballyhackamore. I find myself saying, well, that, isn't that great? Perhaps God's brought you here for this moment in time to, to learn something, to, to be growing a vision. And perhaps he's beginning to call you back to where you live to see what a worshipping community there might uh, entail, how you could serve in there. Ripple's moving out from here and into the city. A third conversation, nearly done. Over the last number of years, and particularly in the last 12 months, I've been involved in conversations about the future of PCIs, the Presbyterian Church's uh, mission witness in, in Belfast. And among other things, we're conscious that there's no viable church in or near the city centre. And that seems like a huge gap in a city that's post-troubles and is slowly trying to repopulate. It's, it's fragile. But, but Belfast is trying to, to find its feet once more. I've spoken to two young couples who ended up worshipping with us. But at one point, were wanting to worship in the city centre. They lived in the city centre. They wanted to worship there. They tried to go to church there and found that there wasn't anything there that they felt able to join in with. Folks, that kind of thing breaks my heart. What are we saying? If you want to worship God, you have to come to the suburbs. God doesn't do the city. All that complicated politics and finance and arts, he, he's not into that. He, he retreats into the leafy suburbs. Could there not be a, a community worshipping in the city centre? I've been wondering for years what God would have a congregation like ours do about that. Ripples moving out from here and throughout the city. Normally when I preach a sermon I hope that it ends up quite clear and that you know what the challenge is and what to do with it. Today I don't mind if it's not. Today if we've just had a question placed before us an invitation, something to think about, then I think that might be enough to get that conversation going. So there's another thread in our vision for the future of Kirkpatrick Memorial, a church that's reaching the city.